I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Joining me today is praying medic, Dave Hayes. He is a thinker, an author, a a researcher, an all-around wise man. You can find his work at prayingmedic.com. Dave, welcome. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, It's a real pleasure. I'm, I'm excited to get into a deep conversation about the more important things of life. Yeah, me too, man. I'm really looking forward to this. You know, it's funny when I was first kind of waking up, maybe this was the late summer, early fall of 2020. I mean, I was partially awake by then. I was, you know, opposed to the entire COVID narrative. I was already publicly supporting Trump by then, but I hadn't woken up to a lot of the alternative media sources. A lot of ideas that I had dismissed over the years began to seem relevant and interesting to me. And I remember one of my first exposures to you was I I had been told I should check out X 22 and I had, and I was trying to find more information about the podcast and I was searching for Dave and I found you and I was like, well, this is interesting. The same people like both of these guys, but I know it's not the same Dave. And at first I was like, 
I was like, I don't know what to make of this guy because I've always been very opposed, or at least I was in my prior thinking to anything that felt uh, new age or in any way uh, woo woo. And at first that was my impression. And I've realized since that that was quite wrong, but uh, you know, that realization is just an example of kind of how my thinking has changed from that point in my life. Uh, how would you describe your work and your background? Like what makes up praying medic? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's funny too, because a lot of people have found me through Dave X 22, who we got to meet this weekend. Yeah, that was that was super cool. I didn't even know that he was a real person. I've I've <laughs> considered I've considered at different points that he might just be a uh, a super intelligent human like AI. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a real person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was great meeting with him. Um, he has such a wide, uh, a large audience that um, a lot of people have found me through him, and I I'm grateful for uh, the crumbs that he's <laughs> thrown my way. He's had me on his show a bunch of times and that's uh, helped me get my message out. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. But to your, your question, you know, what's my background? What makes up praying medic? Uh, I'm a former atheist. Me too. Uh, I was an atheist until I was 38 years old. Um, I was actually raised Catholic. And I, when I was... I don't know, 9, 10, 11 years old, I just saw a lot of hypocrisy in the Catholic Church among my family. And it kind of turned me, it turned me off. Um, I thought that at that point, religion was just, um, and what I saw was people going to church on Sunday, acting all holy, getting all their nice clothes on, you know, acting like saints on Sunday, and then they lived like hell the rest of the week. And that religious hypocrisy really struck me. So I kind of just walked away from religion and church. And I got into um, biology and evolution and science uh, in high school and then college. And I, I, like I said, I, I lived as an atheist, actually a Darwinist, uh, until I was 38. And at the tender age of 38, I had a road to Damascus type uh, meeting with Jesus uh, at my fire station. And from that point on, uh, my, my life has been completely different. I've been you know, living a life of faith. And from, from that point, the next, I would say, eight years, I, I still didn't really have, I mean, I had a relationship with God, um, but it, but my experiences with God uh, were, were rare. And I, I really just kind of learned the Bible. Uh, I just studied scripture. I went to a Bible teaching church. They taught the Bible, but they didn't teach um, anything supernatural. They didn't teach about healing or miracles. They didn't teach on deliverance. They didn't teach any of the supernatural aspects of God. In 2008, uh, okay, so eight years later, um, that's when the supernatural kingdom of God landed in my living room. And that was uh, something that was quite uh, interesting to have to deal with. God told me he wanted me to pray for my patients in the ambulance, and he was going to heal them. 
And I didn't believe in miracles at the time. <laughs> I was like, okay, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, but it's since then, for the last you know, it's 14 years, it's been a journey of going deeper and deeper into the supernatural, into God's supernatural kingdom, learning about healing, physical healing, learning about emotional healing, deliverance from evil spirits, um, learning about traveling in the spirit, learning about how to hear God's voice, having, seeing visions, uh, you know, hanging out with angels. <laughs> I mean, it just it's just become a very supernatural experience for me. And so my my relationship with God is is a relationship. Uh, I have a very intimate, close relationship with God. Uh, most of what I do, I try to um, let it be led by God. I let I let him lead, give me assignments and give me direction. And I try my best to follow his lead. And, um, you know, my testimony for the last seven years has been the way God has kept me two steps ahead of the deep state because the deep state has come after me pretty hard uh, since 2016. But God has always warned me ahead of time what was coming, how to deal with it, how to set up contingency plans, how, how to proactively uh, deal with this stuff. And he's still doing that. <laughs> so let, let me let me ask you about that, because you'll understand this as a former atheist. Um, at least for me, one of the most difficult things for me in hearing religious conversation, conversation with religious people was when they would describe these kind of supernatural feelings, the sense that they were being communicated with by God. All of that seemed like something that was self-generated and it was, I guess, an aspect of the person's imagination. And that's how I would look at it. It would seem silly to me. It would seem actually ridiculous. But I guess, you know, in in the understanding that's developing for me now, I see that stuff as more a matter of perception and tuning into certain signals in your periphery that you might not have tuned into otherwise. Does that describe it at all? How would you say yes, this sort of thing manifests for you? You know, like I said, as a former atheist, I, I'm on board. Uh, when I thought about, you know, people saying they heard God's voice or God told me this or God gave me a vision, I'm like, yeah, you were hallucinating, <laughs> basically. I mean, it was part of your imagination. Mm-hmm. I was very quick to dismiss anyone who talked about um, supernatural revelation or experiences. So uh, I, I totally get that perspective. Um, I now have a different perspective. Uh, I have been um, having this ongoing communication with God for, you know, years. And and I've had some very uh, strange communications that really can't be dismissed as um, me just you know, imagining something. And here's a good example. Um, I've been uh, at at nursing homes, hospitals, and emergency departments with people, with patients, with doctors, nurses. And um, I'll walk up to some person and God will show me that that person has migraine headaches, for example. So I'll walk over to them and say, hey, uh, do you have migraine headaches? And they'll look at me like, 
yeah, how the hell did you know that? <laughs> like, well, well, God told me, and he's going to heal you. And I pray for them, and they get healed. Okay, so how do you logically explain that I knew this person's medical condition without ever talking to them? Mm-hmm. I prayed for them, and then they get permanently healed. Uh, that's that's really difficult to explain away, and that happens to me quite often. Right, so, uh, you know, the proof is in the pudding, I guess. And, you know, our, our experiences and, and our theology, I, I think, needs to comport with reality. And, and when it does, you know that you're not imagining something. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it, and it's difficult. When I talk about, you know, hearing God's voice, seeing a vision, getting a word of knowledge, I'm talking about abstract concepts. Mm-hmm. And yes, I think some people actually do uh, think they're hearing God and they're not. I know a lot of people who have these experiences. I think God told me this. I think God said that. And um, I think that they were mistaken. I don't think everyone who believes they're hearing something from God is actually hearing from God. Uh, and, and there's a way that you can test that. But yeah, that's what I was going to ask. But some people ask. What's yeah. that? I said, that's what I was going to ask. How, do you, how would you distinguish? Yeah, because so, without it, without without a uh, a way to distinguish, that would sound more like a value judgment, right? Yep. Yeah. There's there there's a way, and and Jesus taught, you know, by your by their fruits you shall you shall know them, right? You you judge someone's experience that they say is from God by the fruit that it bears. So again, go back to my my uh, uh, example. The very first person I ever saw healed, I was minding my own business. I was in a grocery store. And I closed my eyes and I saw a vision and I saw this woman and I saw the word headaches or migraines or something like that. And, and this was like in 2009. So it's a little bit, I don't remember the details. But um, I, I, when I looked up, I saw the woman standing in front of me at, at the checkout stand. The woman that I saw in the vision, she was standing in front of me. And so she walked over. She actually worked there in the grocery store in the deli. Um, after I bought my Gatorade, I went over and I talked to her and I said, hey, do you have uh, headaches? <laughs> she starts crying. She's like, who are you? How did you know I have headaches? Uh, right. So and then she gets healed. And um, after I prayed for her, her headache was immediately gone. She had a very severe headache. She was actually buying Advil to take because she had a he- headache at that point. And as soon as I prayed for her, her headache was gone. And she, I stayed in contact with her. She wrote to me months later. She said, headaches have never come back. So um, you, you can judge your experience, your spiritual experience, by the fruit that it bears. Mm-hmm. All right? This experience bore the fruit of God's kingdom. God is all about healing and blessing people. And my, the vision that I saw in my mind, someone could say, well, that was just your imagination. And sure. I could say, yeah. But when I walked over to her, she actually had migraines. And when I prayed for her, she actually got healed. So maybe we should consider the possibility that God actually did tell me that she had migraines and that he actually did heal her. <laughs> so, again, you can look at the fruit of the experience and, and sort of judge, well, that was that was probably God. So on the other hand, on the other hand, I have a lot of people who email me about things that they think God told them, things that they think they heard or saw. And it doesn't pan out. It, it, it doesn't bear good fruit. It doesn't pan out. And in those cases, or I've, I've had it happen to myself sometimes where I thought I may have heard God say something. And then, and I kind of just 
kept it to myself and, and maybe just, you know, watched what happened and then realized later, yeah, that was that was not God. That was my imagination. And, hmm. and, and so there's this um, you have to discern for yourself within your own uh, spirit and soul what is actually God's saying and what are what is just your imagination? Because our imagination will come up with things that we think is God and it actually isn't. So is it purely results oriented then, or do you think that maybe through, um, through practice or a shift in focus, you've been able to better discern what sorts of, um, ideas and messages might arise in your consciousness and how those will reflect, um, a, a command from God or a message from God is there is there some quality that that speaks to you and says this is God talking and this is not just um, a sign that I saw earlier that popped back into my head? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to to get confirmation about the things that God is saying. Now, let, me, let me give you another example. So here I am, uh, you know, in my office, and I'm uh, you know I, I'm going through email, and I suddenly get this. Um, impression, right? God often speaks through us through thought impressions. That's one of the um, tricky parts about learning to hear God's voice is that God will speak to you through your own, through your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You perceive God speaking as a thought. And, and the way that you, the way that you know that it's God a lot of times is this idea will pop into your mind that is distinct and different from the way you normally think. The Bible says that God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, right? So I, I will be sitting there minding my own business, like I said, you know, reading through my email, and suddenly this idea will pop into my mind out of nowhere, and it's, and it's information that I didn't have 10 minutes ago. It's insight that I didn't have, you know, 10 minutes ago. It's like I, I, I just did not know that, and God will give me this impression like, you know, and uh, I guess I can give you an example. Um, so God might give me an impression that I need to write a new book. And he might say, Dave, you need to write a book on power and authority. And I'll think, okay, uh, boy, I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> right. So I'm going along about my day. And then uh, three hours later, I get a friend who messages me. And the friend says, hey, Dave, um, I had this dream last night that you were writing a book on power and authority. I just wanted to pass that along to you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And then I, I go to uh, I'm hanging out with some friends of mine. A couple of days later, and this one friend says, you know, Dave, I feel like the Lord is saying that you need you got another book that you need to write. And it's on power and authority. All right. So God will often speak of the same subject to many people. And he'll put you in touch with people to confirm what he's saying. Mm. So that, there's another way to confirm that, okay, well, that probably wasn't me just imagining. <laughs> that, was, that was probably actually God talking to me. Mm -hmm. right? So like I said, there's a lot of different ways that you can get confirmation about what, what God is saying and ways that you can test it. That's really interesting, man. Um, tell, me, tell me what you think of this, because, you know, for me, again, I've spent my entire adult life until the very recent past as an atheist. I studied philosophy in college um, that reconfirmed feelings similar to the ones you had growing up. 
uh, being brought up in the church, not really connecting to any of it, not having an experience of faith, not necessarily connecting with the material, not seeing people live out the beliefs that they ostensibly held within their own lives. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Daniel Dennett. He was one of the uh, the four horsemen of atheism that kind of came onto the scene in the mid-2000s. You know, it was him and uh, Dawkins and Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens. Daniel Dennett used to talk about the belief in belief in God, that primarily what people had when they would profess a belief in God was not necessarily a belief in God because it didn't influence their actions. It, they just knew that it was good to believe in God. So they believed in believing in God, and the belief of belief in God would lead them to express a belief in God. That was yep. not truly and legitimately held. It didn't I know a lot of people create action for them. Yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people, and that's their actual experience. Yeah, they've and that trained I, mentally, they've been trained mentally to believe in God, and they don't have any experience that goes with it. I wonder if, um, and not to venture too far with this, this could go on its whole separate tangent, but I, I wonder fairly regularly if there are people within our movement or ancillary to our movement who will profess their belief in God, but they are also incredibly black-pilled. Like they will profess their faith in God, but they don't have any faith in humanity rectifying the situation that we're currently in. And that strikes me as odd because I, I mean, that just doesn't compute for me. And so I just thought maybe I would get your thoughts yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people who are like that. that. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are like that. And unfortunately, it, a lot of those people um, have been mentally trained to believe that we are in the very last days of planet Earth and everything's going to go uh, incredibly haywire. We're all going to become prisoners in FEMA camps. We're going to be starved mm -hmm. to death. They're going to beat us. The Antichrist is going to rise up and, you know, the moon will be turned to blood and the sky to sackcloth. And, you know, it's it's just a lot of doom porn. Yeah. And and I, I once believed that myself. I, I thought that's what, what was going to happen eminently. Um, and uh, I have since changed my view of the future. I think we have a very good future ahead of us. Me too. Uh, because... Um, Largely because of what Trump has done. Yeah. Like, you know, we all saw most of us having a, some awareness that the new world order is an actual is a real thing. Yeah. It's been built. <laughs> it was just about uh, coming to its culmination. And then Trump got elected and he just started dismantling the new world order. Right. And now he's got uh, uh, hundreds of millions of people around the world fighting with him to dismantle, expose the corruption of the new world order. I don't think it's going to succeed. I think it's going to be dismantled. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to uh, see uh, revival and revolution and a complete uh, clearing away of the corrupt systems that we've been living with for the last, you know, couple hundred years. And I think a maybe. lot of I think a lot of nations are going to establish new foundations of, of liberty, and and it's unfortunate because, like I said, you, you talk about the black pilled. I, I think that uh, the black pilled 
you know, doom and gloom perspective. A lot of it, a lot of it comes from uh, a, a, a view of eschatology, a view of the future that's taught in churches. Um, and, and some people are sort of getting themselves untangled from that web, but it's going to, it's going to take a little bit more uh, time for that to happen. Yeah. I mean, to give them the benefit of the doubt, there are a lot of different, there are a lot of wars being waged against us right now. And I want to transition into that part of the conversation. You know, we have, I, and tell me if you disagree, but it seems to me we have a multidimensional, unconventional, irregular war happening on a global scale right now. We have information warfare, psychological warfare, technological warfare, and from a global perspective, in some places, it's even a kinetic war that's happening right now. But I also want to talk about uh, spiritual warfare with you because I think that's happening as well. And I guess I just want to get your reaction to the premise in general, and then we can head off toward the spiritual warfare direction. Yeah, well, I agree completely. We are fighting a, a multi-domain war, right? Cyber warfare, psychological warfare, uh, it's an you know, info operation. Um, there, the war is on many fronts, and uh, we're, we're, we're getting to the point, I think, in our training where we're starting to recognize the true nature of the war. The, the deep state had the upper hand for a long time because most people did not understand the nature of an information war. They didn't mm -hmm. understand uh, how counterinsurgencies are run, how in insurgencies are run and how counterinsurgencies are, need to be run. Uh, and we're now becoming aware of that. We're getting the tools and the training and equipping that we need to run a counterinsurgency. We're, we're learning how to fight the information narrative, the narrative war. So yeah, I, I'm on board with you. I, I think that we're on a, um, a multi-dimensional uh, <laughs> warfare uh, campaign and and yeah it is a spiritual war as well um, a lot of people are kind of hit to the fact that you know we're in spiritual warfare um, but some people still are not fully aware of the nature of uh, spiritual warfare yeah isn't that interesting too because you know aside from the kinetic part unless you're in a certain hot spot of the world a certain one of many hot spots in the world you're not too familiar with the kinetic part. You might see images on television of Ukraine and you understand that there's kinetic warfare activity happening in places in the world, but it's not affecting us here in the United States. And if you're not familiar with what an information war is or a psychological war is or a spiritual war is, then it's really difficult to recognize it in your own life. And if you can't recognize it in your own life, there's a tendency to believe it's not happening, for t particularly for people who are, uh, you know, indoctrinated in the scientific materialist mindset, which I imagine you would admit to in your former life. I certainly would in mine. Everything I believed that everything that existed believed it or uh, existed in the material realm and was detectable and understandable through science. That was an enormous mistake. Uh, but I was educated in 
you know, I was educated into that belief. And I think that we broadly as a society are being educated into that belief. But all of these different types of warfare affecting us at once, it seems intentionally designed to break people's spirits and make them accept whatever, you know, small scraps they're given as the best thing that could happen. That's the reaction that they're trying to elicit. You will own nothing and you'll be happy. You know, you'll have relationships with no one and you'll be happy. Nothing will ever mean anything again, but here is the metaverse. So just go in there. We'll deliver food to your door and you'll be able to live to your last days this way and you'll be happy. Yep. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, that, was a, that was a good rant. Yeah, and again, you're right. Uh, the the shortcomings of scientific naturalism are becoming apparent. Yeah. Right. When you have the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab basically taking us to the to, to the end of the argument, if you just if you follow the argument of scientific naturalism to its end, logical end, there is no meaning in life. There's no point to it. There's no meaning. There is no transcendent uh, being. There's no there's no greater purpose. So why not just you know plug into the metaverse? Yeah. Uh, and let's just live out the matrix. Yeah. Why why not let them herd us into these urban skyscrapers and let them rape and pillage the, the rural parts of our countries for the next two hundred years? And let them gather up all the wealth. I mean, why not? Because there is no meaning to life. Yeah in their perspective mm -hmm. but you know if you once you uh once you adopt the view uh at least deism then when you when you factor in a creator things change that there maybe is a purpose for life there maybe our transcendent eternal values maybe uh maybe things like justice and goodness and love and mercy and compassion are actually the highest values mm -hmm. that we should be pursuing, right? I mean, w once you go down that road, the world starts to open up, the world of meaning gets a lot larger. And then we get to talk about and live out uh, from, a, from a greater purpose. And, um, and, and that's, what, that's what my life is about. Um, I, life would be meaningless, literally meaningless, uh, without my understanding. For me, it would be meaningless without that understanding that real, the reality that that God is real, angels are real, and, and that's the that's the issue with scientific naturalism. Like you said in the beginning of your your statement, if you have never seen an angel. If you have never heard God's voice, right? Scientific naturalism sort of uh, takes everything as a well. If it, if I haven't experienced it, then it's not real. That's the mm -hmm. that's kind of the fault yeah. of that viewpoint. Is it filters everything through experience? And if you haven't experienced angels, if you haven't heard God's voice, if you've never seen you know a healing miracle, then in your mind those things don't exist. Yeah. And then you just come to this to the table with the argument that. Well, you religious people are just having hallucinations because I've never experienced any of that. And uh, <laughs> and that's partly due to 
um, a, a mindset. Yes. Like when I when when I um, make myself available to God, when I say, okay, I don't have a grid for this, what you're talking about, but I want to know if what you're talking about is real. So I'm going to open my mind and I'm going to let you show me that it's real. And then he does. I give God permission to wreck my my theology on a daily basis. I'm like, uh, here's what I think about life right now. Here's what I think about God right now. But Lord, if you want to show me something new, different, show it to me. And within a, a day or two, he's going to show me something new that I had no grid for, didn't understand, had never experienced. And that just propels me forward into uh, greater things. Yeah, you know, in in 2020, in in my process of beginning to understand all of this stuff, you know, I was, I didn't believe that we had souls. I didn't believe that there was an ultimate purpose to life. You know, I would attempt to convince myself that the purpose of life was being good or leaving things better than you found them. You know, which, if you play those things out to the end, are you know, they're fine and nice, but they don't really speak to a higher purpose. You still have to impute your own morality onto the situation to even reach those conclusions. You know, if there is no meaning, then there can be no real morality. And I found myself with a strong feeling that I just didn't want to sit idly by and watch the world burn. It became very clear to me that the effort that we were being told was being undertaken to mitigate the COVID situation, it was clearly not about saving lives. And so if it wasn't about saving lives, then what was it about? If this was a war, then we would surely be set up to lose it. How can I just sit by and let this happen? And so I began to find purpose from that. And then I realized like, wait a second, if I can't take the the nihilistic scientific materialistic viewpoint to its end, then I can't very well go around believing that it's true. Right. And so I kind of moved forward from there. But um, what do you what do you believe is is being done to us spiritually? Like, what is the effort, you know, whether it's from the deep state, I often just call it uh, global communist because I think it's actually more expansive than simply the deep state in our country. It's maybe a global deep state. But what is the spiritual attack that you see your fellow man being subjected to at this point? Uh, I see us, uh, the global community, uh, all of humanity, being brought under the control of a very small handful of people. That's that's their, their goal, their end game is to bring all of us under their control. And this was something that Q um, alerted me to. I, I wasn't aware of it. Um, I was just minding my own business uh, <laughs> five years ago, and I stumbled upon Q, and Q <laughs> starts talking about you know George Soros and the Rothschilds and yeah. uh, this globalist cabal that essentially what they want is power. They want power and control over the entire earth they want to control it all and um I, that was a uh, you know okay i'm like okay okay i can i can sort of you know see that happening mm -hmm. 
and and, and that's what they want, and, and that's a, that's essentially the spiritual war. Uh, these people are empowered by dark forces. They get their um, they're, they're serving in a sense. They're serving the kingdom of darkness, and in in return for their service to the kingdom of darkness, they're given power, and they're given abilities, and they're given um, they're given a lot of things, and they accumulate power. They they buy politicians. They buy uh, members of Congress, buy presidents. They they rig elections, and they're collectively they're massing power. And their goal is to create a, a global community under one government which they control. That's the new world order. That's their goal. Uh, they're not going to get it. Uh, it's it's been ex- the, their plan has been exposed. Their darkness has been exposed. It's been dragged out into the light. Too many people know about it. And they're not going to succeed. Uh, Trump and a few hundred million people like you and me are going to stop them from achieving their goal. So there's there's a um, there's a domain in the earth where these people are playing out their, you know, their strategies and tactics. And then there's a spiritual war where you know, there are dark forces, whether you want to, you know, think of that as Satan or Lucifer or, you know, demonic hosts, however you want to think of that. Um, they are doing the bidding of uh, spiritual entities that are the enemies of God, right? So we've got the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom of light and life. And we've got the kingdom of darkness, which is a kingdom of death, destruction and enslavement. And those two kingdoms are fighting each other, and it's manifesting in the natural world. What is the attraction to the to the kingdom of darkness? Because, you know, it's not just it doesn't present itself as darkness and enslavement. Right. How does it present itself to the world? Why is it so attractive to people? Because because the way you're talking about it, you know, it can certainly be viewed um, as as metaphorical. Right. What you're saying. Yeah. Like there are. There are either dark entities metaphorically or there are dark entities in reality, right? Or it could be a combination of both, or we could be speaking about it in different ways. But I want you to uh, flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, well, darkness is a metaphor, but it's also the literal form of these beings. Like when I pray for people to be who have uh, uh, chronic pain syndromes, like chronic knee pain, fibromyalgia, things of that nature, I often see dark entities on those people. I see demons attached to them. They're these black swirling things that are attached to people. And I I command those demons, those dark spirits, dark forces, whatever you want to call them, I command them to leave and the person, their pain goes away. So darkness, yes, it's a metaphor, but it's the actual physical presentation of this of these evil spirits they're dark they're black generally speaking right so but that's just a little segue um the the kingdom of darkness weaves its way into people's minds and hearts through deception um, the kingdom of darkness is always going to try to entice you through making a promise to you that you're not going to get what you're promised you're so these evil spirits will promise you that if you hook up with that chick, hmm. she is going to be the hottest chick you've ever had in your bed. She is going to blow your mind. 
she's going to be the most awesome uh, girlfriend, wife, whatever you want. And, and, and so guys, so guys will be in, guys will be enticed to go after women, for example. And then they'll, they'll like leave their wife, you know, give up their job, do whatever to get this chick. And then she turns out to be a raging bitch who makes her life hell. <laughs> and they can't stand her. And they realize, crap, I just let my marriage fall apart for this raging whore who's like just driving me crazy with her bitching and, and her insanity, right? The kingdom of darkness will dupe you into thinking that, what, what, you know, and same thing with money. So uh, money, uh, drugs, chicks, you know, there's all these temptations and, and, and the kingdom of darkness is going to tempt you to think, you know, well, you know, you can just embezzle, you know, a few thousand dollars from your employer. Mm -hmm. No one's going to see it. No one's going to know. And you can go out and, you know, like do things with your wife and your kids with the extra money that you're going to get from your employer that no one's going to know about. So you start stealing money from your employer and then yeah. you end up getting busted and go to jail. Right. There's always this enticement uh, like something you're going to get something good and it'll be OK. And you end up getting um, slammed and it, it's not ever what it, you're promised that it's going to be. Well, so, yeah, um, because there's I know, no, I know there's a lot no fulfillment of who, down that path. What's that? There's no fulfillment down that path. <laughs> there's very little fulfillment down that path. Yeah. But it, it also goes into other areas. Um, I know a lot of people who are into spiritual healing, and um, they call themselves energy workers or light workers, or they have a lot of different names. Um, what a lot of those people are promised is that they're going to get access to power that is going mm -hmm. to heal people. And in fact, what these people end up doing is they becoming, they sort of become servants of these dark spirits unknowingly. And yes, they will they will work on somebody, and their their pain level might go from a seven down to a three. Uh, they maybe they've got a, a severe headaches, neck pain, back pain. So this person is doing their energy work. They're getting this person's back pain and neck pain reduced. What they don't understand is that person is now being afflicted with um, some uh, autoimmune condition unknowingly, right? There's this, again, there's this promise you're going to get this, and then there's what you're actually going to get, and it's not what you're, what you're promised. So a lot of people, unfortunately, uh, fall victim to these um, dark forces, dark spirits. Politicians, what, what do they get? They're promised power, money, control, fame. And so they, they corrupt themselves, they sell themselves out, and they take bribes, and they uh, take money from corporations, and, and they write immoral, illegal, unethical laws and they look the other way at crimes and they refuse to do investigations into obvious criminal activity they use their power to further uh, criminal syndicates because they're promised that they're going to be famous power powerful wealthy whatever and you can never really break that contract you just uh, keep once, on going down that road because yeah, once you've well, done it once you're compromised people have it on you so you right. have to keep serving it yeah politicians most of them who are, are into that that kind of lifestyle, they're all controlled. They've done something illegal. Yep. The people controlling them now have evidence of their crimes and they just dangle over their head. You ever 
think about you know ratting us out we're going to publicly expose what we know about you so then and they can shift the that their life. and they can shift that control around too right there's like basically a blackmail market yeah. they can hand off the control over certain individuals to other people because the compromise is still there yep and and it's it's rare for anyone to rise to any position of prominence in government uh who isn't controlled or in the corporate world these days or in the corporate world <laughs> or in hollywood <laughs> for sure i mean uh, yeah. i spent 18 and a half years in hollywood and had every sort of temptation thrown in my face and i partook in a great many of them and you know after so many years of doing that just like with drugs or alcohol or anything else your reaction to it, the the pleasure that you receive from doing anything, it begins to diminish over time as you build a tolerance to it. So yep. you need more and more. You need more extreme experiences. And when you find yourself going down that road and you begin to recognize it, it's like you're coming to one of the last stops on this train before you know you don't get another opportunity to get off. And yeah. I'm in so many ways, you know, not obviously thankful for the way the world has gone with the advent of this new uh, permanent pandemic era. But for me in particular, I don't think I would have been able to get off that train. I just didn't think I was strong enough to figure out another way to, to lead my life. There were too many habits. I'd done it all for too long. There was no way out. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that kind of a, uh, that that's just, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in that situation where you, you, like you said, you got on this lifestyle, you kind of get led along and you're thinking it's, uh, you're, it's under control, you're okay. And then you realize I'm never going to get off this ride. Like yeah. this is like, this is like a ride to nowhere. There's no way to get off. There's and a permanent I, promise. I, 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 I've a permanent seen that promise narrative that play Sorry, out in a lot of Hollywood films. But again, talking about Hollywood and the, and the music industry, what do they do to people? They promise them, we're going to make you famous. You're going to have a lot of films. You're going to have a lot of songs. We'll connect you with all the right people, but you have to do things that we need you to do. Right. That's the deal. And if you take the bait and and they get you hook, line, and sinker, they have you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of part of the job. Yep. And you were fortunate you got out of it. So fortunate. I can't even. I mean, I I don't know how much longer I could have continued down that path. You know, I've dealt with uh, all sorts of depression and anxiety at different points in my life, failed relationships, you know, and you get older and you see that all of the things you expected out of your life begin to slip away. They become more and more unreachable. And the, a way that I often talk about it on the show is, you know, you walk so far down the wrong path and eventually you realize you are on the wrong path, but you can't just skip over to the other path in the same place. You know, you're not that far down the road on the right path. You can't just jump paths. You actually have to walk all the way back down that wrong path and then start the other one. And that's so much work, man. People don't want to do it. And I'm not saying I've done it or done it successfully, but I'm trying, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, hitting the reset button and starting all over again. Like, yeah. Wow, man, I've traveled for, you know, 25 years down this path. And it was the wrong path. Now I have to go all the way back to ground zero and start over again with something new. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did too. Well, when you when you take the red pill, right? We've talked about this. You're literally 
having to admit that everything you think about, that you understand about how the world works, how corporations work, how the media works, how everything works, you're basically admitting that everything you think is wrong. Everything. Absolutely every single thing, yes. (laughs) And that's why it's hard for people to take the red pill. I mean, I knew that. I, I when I was following the Q posts, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like this is blowing my mind." Like, this if this stuff is true, then everything I think is wrong. Let's talk. Let's talk about the Q stuff for a second. You know, because okay. I've I've written quite a bit about it. You know, I think that I noticed just <laughs> despite uh despite any discussion of like, do you believe in Q? That's a senseless question to me. Is Q true? That's a senseless question to me. I think that it is the most significant information phenomenon, maybe in the history of humanity. And it is so easily uh, ignored by people because it's so dangerous. It's been made so dangerous as the boogeyman uh, for anyone to even contemplate that it might be true. And at the same time, they're getting all their information from legitimate conspiracy theorists, people who peddle the Russiagate hoax, people who tell you to wear two masks by yourself in your car. Like these are the sorts of people that are calling (laughs) Q followers dumb. Like where do they get off? You have a mask on your face for monkeypox. Right. Right. Uh, the, the people who, uh, objectively completely misled the public about Russiagate by itself, knowingly wrote all these stories about Trump being a Russian stooge, and they knew the entire time it was bullshit. Um, And they're telling us that Q is some kind of a a psyops, that Q is some kind of dangerous, you know, crazy conspiracy. And the fact that they never, ever quote or post any of the drops. Yeah. They never quote Q. They'll quote everybody and everything but Q because they know if they put any of the of the posts in an article, yeah, it, it will cause people to start going through the drops and going through the drops and reading all the posts. That's the dangerous premise. They don't want anyone to do. They do not want you to read the post. They want you to read the article believe what they say about Q and not go and read the drops yourself. And they always say the same thing. It's always this belief that the Democrats are satanic, cannibalistic pedophiles. Like something Q never said. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But first of all, Satanism is a real thing. Cannibalism is a real thing. Pedophilia is a real thing. And powerful people engaging in those activities is a real thing. Yes. New All York of the Times other crimes recently, described are yeah. also real things. Yeah. The New York so Times why can't you put them together? An, an art, the New York Times published an article, uh, I think, three or four weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Bringing up the, hey, is it time for cannibalism yet? Can we? Yeah. It's like, the new hip fad. The, can we move the conversation in that direction yet? Uh, yeah. It's, you know, and I, I've read the drops uh, <laughs> more than probably anyone else. And, you know, the drops, I would say probably 15% of all the Q posts are about Russiagate, mm-hmm. right? The one thing they don't want to actually admit and talk about. Um, th- have you ever uh, seen a mainstream article 
go through all the information that Q posted about Russiagate and Cash Patel and Nunez and the House Intel investigation and the flagrant abuse of the FISA court and how they framed Carter Page and falsified the, 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 the documents. Like, is that the kind of thing that the mainstream media talks about when they're talking about Q? Of course not, because that's what Q is actually writing about and giving us information about. And that's not what the mainstream media wants to talk about. It's so funny that they're so incompetent at what they do because, you know, they've spent so much time trying to disavow Q that they've obviously made it uh, something that, you know, while people don't understand Q or the drops, they understand that Q is this thing that exists in the world and matters and that a lot of people are paying attention to it. The mainstream media puts it on our radar all the time. They can't actually go in and talk about the drops, although that would have been a far more effective strategy. At this point, all they've done is advertise the thing, and anyone who goes and looks at it sees that it's just information that they can analyze and research for themselves. And at that point, they're like, well, this isn't what I was told it was, so now I have to distrust the media every time they say this thing. And we see that phenomenon replicating over and over and over again, and that's how you end up creating a, a, a movement like this, an awakening like this, however you want to describe it. Yeah, well, the mainstream media has, um, I guess, in the, in the same way that the military industrial complex, it has kind of put themselves in, in a lose-lose situation with respect to Trump. And they're now down to the point where they're forced with very few options except maybe arresting Trump and risking having his base go ballistic on them, right? The mainstream media has put themselves in a lose-lose position too. Um, if if they dare to talk, you know, honestly and frankly about Q, everyone's going to believe what Q is posting. So they have no choice but to just create these fantastic lies about what Q is about. And then anyone who goes and reads three or four posts is going to realize, well, that's, the mainstream media is full of crap. That's not what Q is, is actually yeah. telling us. I don't see any mention of cannibalism in here. I don't see any mention of yeah. Hillary eating babies. Like, that's what they keep telling us Q is about, yeah. but it's not in here. Right? So then the, the, the mainstream media is destroying itself. Uh, the, the media is going to be a, a laughingstock, a joke, when this whole thing is over. They're going to be totally exposed as corrupt. You know, the military industrial complex exposed as completely corrupt. And, you know, the, the truth will always come out. It always does. If you wait long enough, the truth will come out uh, sooner that's, or later. That's the real thing. It's a matter of uh, how long that wait will be. You know, for me, as someone who has woken up within the last, you know, six years for sure, it started when Trump won in 2016, but it didn't really take until the summer of 2020. I think of all the people that were awake far longer than I was and how long and frustrating their wait has been compared to mine. But I see the pace quickening even within the last six months. You know, it's just speeding up. I feel yeah. like the storylines are converging mm -hmm. and we are coming to a real point of revelation. You know, and I'm, I know that that is a loaded word in a religious sense, but you know, in the broader understanding of what a revelation is, I see that like coming soon on the horizon. 
No, people are people are understanding that a lot of information is being revealed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the the textbook definition of revelation. Something is being revealed. Something's being disclosed. And it, it is interesting to to consider the fact that you know we hang out with people who have been awake and aware of all this for thirty years. Yeah. And they've had to wait this whole time <laughs> for the rest of us to catch up. Um, I got red-pilled summer of 2016. God had me start looking into the Clinton Foundation. Mm. And I did a deep dive on the Clinton Foundation summer of 2016. I, I just For a month, I just dug through every mainstream article I could find out about the Clinton Foundation. Can I pause you for a second? Yeah, yeah. In that summer of 2016... Were you a uh, were you a Democrat voter largely at that point? Because I find that a lot of the people who I was around in Hollywood, some of the people who are more awake, they weren't Trump fans. They were Bernie fans. And a lot of the Bernie fans dug out a lot of that Clinton Foundation stuff. And I found myself hearing the criticisms of the Clinton Foundation coming from the left as much as I was from the right. Yeah, no, I was um, I was raised in a Democrat family household. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I became a conservative 22 years ago after I became a Christian. Uh, I started to have a little conversation with myself about my political views. And I realized I could no longer embrace the, the classic or, or, or certainly not neoliberalism or, or progressivism. Yeah. So I became a conservative 20 some years ago. I was a uh, I was backing Ted Cruz in 2016 mm. uh, until God started giving me dreams about Trump. Another story for, for another broadcast. <laughs> but in 2016, in in that summer when God was giving me dreams about Trump, He also had me look into the Clinton Foundation, and I was physically sick for about a month. I just was nauseated, disoriented. That was like, you know, people talk about taking the red pill. Um, I didn't just like you know, pop the red pill in, take a, a a glass of water and swallow it. I scraped a little bit of the coating off the red pill and I tasted it. And I was like, this is really bitter. I don't know if I want to take this. <laughs> I was like, you know, nibble a little bit on the corner. I was like, oh God, I don't like this. This is really not good. Because it was starting to wreck my belief in government and how things worked. And as I dug into the Clinton Foundation, I found out what happened in Benghazi and, and Haiti and the human trafficking yep. and the nonprofits and all, all the corruption and the money laundering. I was like, wow, this is just. Ugh. And, the, and a funny thing is, in the summer of 2016, that was when FBI Anon was posting. The FBI Anon was I'm not even precursor. familiar with this. FBI Anon was sort of a precursor to Q uh, on, on 4chan. There are uh, intelligence insiders will pop up quite often on 4chan and they will say, hey, I'm an intelligence insider or I'm an an FBI contractor. I'm with the NSA. Um, I have something I need to talk to you all about and they'll drop some information and then you never hear from them again. Right. And that's that's kind of the thing with with 4chan and 8chan. FBI Anon popped up on 4chan in July of, of of 2016, right as Comey, they were doing the Hillary Clinton email investigation. And the DOJ at that time was 
trying to make the decision whether they're going to prosecute Hillary or not. And this one FBI employee popped up on 4chan and said, hey, I am working uh, on the Hillary Clinton case. I have information I can give you guys. I can answer questions. Uh, let it rip. And he posted for two or three days, answered a lot of questions, gave a lot of information about the, the inner workings between Comey and Loretta Lynch and what was going on. So that's the time when I was digging into the Clinton Foundation. Uh, and, and that was when I started to get red-pilled. I was like, oh, man, this is just, there's so much corruption. And then it was a year later when later when Q showed up. But I, I had already started to get red-pilled in 2016. And then 2017, Q pops up, and I start following the rabbit trail. And, the, and Q just lets it rip and starts talking about all these different areas of corruption, higher education, government, you know, corporations, uh, the banking industry, everything. And that was that was a bitter pill to swallow because you literally have to just admit like everything I think is wrong. The world does not work the way I think it does. Um, um, so we're coming up on an hour. Are you good on time? Yeah, I'm good. You want to keep going for a little bit? Yep. Because I have some more questions for you. No, let's okay? keep going. Yeah, cool. So. <laughs> yeah. What do you um what do you see as the effect of the spiritual warfare on our person to person relationships? Like what is what is the mass effect of that? And then how do we get out of it? Yeah, I think. Within the broader community that we you know hang out in mm -hmm. uh, uh, researchers podcasters, social media influencers, and anons, um, there is this continual effort to divide us. Mm. That's sort of the, um, the, the main tactic of the mainstream media and progressive political leaders. They're all about division. There's a reason why they play the race card every chance they get. They pit socioeconomic groups, the poor against the rich, the black against white. They're always pitting one group against another because they're, they're, they believe that their best way to keep us under their thumb and in, in, in control of us is to pit us against each other so that we're always fighting each other, fighting different groups, trying to defend ourselves from attacks. And that way, we're not fighting them. <laughs> yeah. If we, they know if we ever unite as a large movement and put aside our differences and we come after them, it's over for them. They know that. So I think a lot of the spiritual warfare is aimed at uh, stirring up animosity, hostility, division, jealousy, pride, um, insecurities and to keep us fighting amongst each other. And um, one of the things that Q has done is continually stressed our, our need to unify, our need to stay united, stay on task, put aside our differences, come together for God and country as patriots, uh, put aside our differences and, and work together and expose this corruption so we can get rid of it once and for all and free everybody from the grip of these evil people. I think this spiritual warfare primarily is a war is a war that wants to make us feel isolated. Yes. And our, and our strength, the strength 
that we have is in unity. So what about, um, you know, when you step outside of the community, outside of the truth community, outside of the community of people who are awake or red pilled or however you would like to describe it. I don't know if you have people close to you in your life at this point who might think that you're insane or that all of these views are insane. I certainly do. Um, I, you know, I lost, I, I had a great many friends and acquaintances from my years in Hollywood. 90% of them have vanished. Uh, most of them in 2020 and obviously some since. But that division is one of the greatest divisions. And that's one that is going to have to be healed to some degree for us to move forward successfully. You know, and I'm not expecting that all those people will necessarily wake up. They might not ever agree with us. They might not ever admit that we are right. But we at least have to uh, stop being you know, in, in constant conflict with one another, there has to be a way to, to move forward with these people by bringing them in our direction to some point. So where do you see that division and where's that headed? Yeah, that's, that is really God's heart, uh, for this country and for the world. And I don't know anyone who hasn't, um, suffered strained or broken relationships because of, you know, the the attacks on conservatives and Trump supporters and and the COVID hoax and everything else over the last you know six years, it's just mind-boggling yeah. to think of how the mainstream media and politicians have just completely brainwashed so many people in, into thinking that we're literally domestic terrorists, that we are crazy conspiracy theorists who just are fascinated with and the fact that uh, Hillary eats babies. I mean, all these crazy <laughs> narratives that they put out there. I have um, my entire family, except for one brother. They're all liberals. They're all Obama supporters. They all, you know, some of them are Bernie supporters. I really can't have any kind of extended communication with them because they literally think I'm some kind of evil uh, Nazi. I know it's crazy. I mean, while they're supporting Nazis in Ukraine, and and they know that the funny thing is, they know in their heart that it's not true, but the mainstream media keeps telling them, you know, Newsweek and New York Times and Washington Post and uh, the Atlantic, they read the articles about me and they see how the news is 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 portraying me, and they don't want to admit that that these newspapers could be wrong, that their trusted sources of information could be wrong. Isn't that an isn't that an interesting parallel to how the yeah. COVID narrative played out? I mean, yeah. we were told that there was that asymptomatic spread was the number one source of our problem. So we immediately had to begin treating healthy people as if they were vectors of disease. And now we have the same people treating us because of our ideas, because of our beliefs that, by the way, we are more than happy to support and debate anywhere at any time. I will debate literally anyone. And but because of those ideas, we are potentially we we have the ability to infect them with this mind virus that will then make them part of the diseased. Right. These people don't want to associate. They don't even want to have the conversation. First of all, they're not competent to conduct the conversation. But that, you know, that realization for them is that one gets to be secreted away because 
they won't have the conversation in the first place. They're worried that they're going to catch it from us. Like, what if what if he tells me something that breaks my mind and then I get like him? That is ultimately what it seems like they're afraid of. They don't want to become one of the no-no people. They don't want to be left to the other side. I describe it as, you know, being exiled from the party of false decorum. They're no longer able to impress the people they need to impress. They're going to be kicked out of the club. And then at that point, their life will end without their choice. Oh, yeah. The fear of being ostracized by the people they respect and like is probably the greatest thing that they have to struggle with. And, and, you know, again, it comes down to this whole idea that uh, if I seriously entertain the propositions that this praying medic guy is telling me about, I have to walk away from the people at my job who are going to ostracize me if they find out that I'm reading these Q posts. Um, my family's going to ostracize me. I'm going to be seen as one of those crazy, like, <laughs> I, I had this dream <laughs> not long after I started following Q. Um, I had this dream where I was in this room. It was like a cafeteria. And there was all these oddball people in this cafeteria. People I just knew in the dream I had nothing in common with. They were just strange and odd. And they, they said weird things and they acted strangely. Like they weren't monsters. They weren't evil. They were just very different and kind of weird from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And they all wanted to talk to me and sit down by me and tell me their stories. And like they just felt had this affinity for me. And I was like, Lord, do I really have to like get com- comfy and cozy with these weirdos? And that's been like the story of my life for the last five years. Um, I, I, I keep on telling people I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't watch Alex Jones and Infowars. I've never been involved or interested in any of these, uh, you know, vast conspiracies about the deep state and, and the cabal and the Rothschilds and all that stuff and, and the Freemasonry. Like I've never researched it, never looked into it. Didn't interest me. Just an average guy, you know, minding my own damn business. And then God said, I want you to jump into this Q stuff. And I was like, what is this Q stuff all about? And I got embraced by this big community of people who are just very different from me. And it has taken me a period of adjustment to get comfortable with, with this group of people who, who see me as, as one of them. And for the normies, you know, our, our friends and family uh, and coworkers, <laughs> that's a frightening thing for them yeah. to think about. Like, I don't want to be like those people. They're weird. Like, well, yeah, they've they've spent their life trying to conform to whatever abstract idea they have of, you know, people better than them. This is how I succeed in my life is by being more like the people who have the things I want to have. Right. And you and you have to think the way they think, agree to their propositions, see their, you know, their views on whether it's environment, theology, science. You have to think the way they think. If you don't, you get kicked out of the party. Isn't it like, you know, and I don't even mean to say this as a as judgmental sort of thing. It's almost only sad, but it's it's pitiful that they don't have the strength of character to understand that they should be doing what they believe is right. You mentioned a second ago, somewhere inside them, they know that we're not evil. They know we're not liars. They know we're not trying to deceive them. We may be wrong here and there about this or that, but we are trying to tell them 
that there is something critical they are missing and we believe it'll be better for them if they just open their minds to it. Just try the ideas on for size and see if it works for you. See if this reflects better in your life. See if this gives you more purpose. And the truth is, anytime they do that, we are literally here to catch them. Like we don't want to battle these people. We're forced to battle these people because they are battling us, but we don't want to battle them. Like I would love for them all to just be like, hey, I've had enough of this. Like, tell me what to do. Tell me how to uh, begin to understand this stuff. You know, I, w- I want to be completely open to all of these people when they wake up. But they're making it really difficult now. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, as as time moves on and we get closer to the precipice. Uh, there's more people waking up. You look across the spectrum of humanity and. You know, we have those people who woke up 30 years ago. They've been waiting for us to catch up. A a number of people got red-pilled by Q. They started to wake up to the realities of corruption. More people, uh, a a significant number of people who are now awake got red-pilled by COVID. Yep. Uh, The, you know, they, they let the mask slip. Some people started to see that this is really not about good health care. It's not about the science. Yeah. It's about money and power and control and stealing elections, right? So a whole bunch of people woke up during COVID. And I have a feeling we're going to have another wave of people wake up if they try to arrest Trump. That'll be uh, one for sure. I think we just got one last week, even with just the, the Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> the raid on Mar-a-Lago is waking people up. There's a lot of people on on the Democrat side of the aisle who are like, you know, this is not cool. Like this, this is this guy was just left the office of the president. We know that he's the ultimate declassification authority. Anything he has in his residence, he could have declassified. Why would he have unclassified, declassified or classified information in his residence that would be illegal? Like that just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Right. So if they if they arrest Trump and indict him and and try to do their little kangaroo court and prosecute him. Holy hell, they're going to wake up a lot of people Uh, because because Trump's constant drumbeat for the last six years has been this system is corrupt. D.C. is corrupt. We have to drain the swamp. These people are evil and they don't care about anything but retaining power and they will destroy anyone to, to do it. And when he then becomes their next victim and they try to arrest him and try to charge him, he's just they're going to prove everything he's been saying for the last six years. It's incredible, too, that I, you know, I I'm with you. I think that they probably will try to do that. The chances of them doing that successfully and getting. Yeah, exactly. It's zero. <laughs> he, he just put up a zero. You guys can't see the video, but um Yeah, I don't see any chance that they're going to be able to pull that off. I mean, all of us are already ahead of this. The idea of Trump being arrested and indicted on false premises is going to be in the mainstream before they even have the opportunity to do it. It's going to blow up in their face. And I, I would like to hear your thoughts on this. But I think that, you know, one of the most important aspects 
of us engaging in speculative thinking is that if we are able to present a number of options on on potential futures and a justification for believing in those options, a way that we can see ourselves progressing toward those options, that allows people to see each and every step of that progression in the real world so that when the final result becomes clear, they'll be like, oh, well, yeah, that's bullshit. Just like these guys said, like this was the progression I just watched in the process of this indictment of this arrest. I know that every single building block of this story is already false. So how can the arrest be real? Right. I think you that's really uh, an important insight uh, that you just made. And that's the value of speculative commentary. Uh, people like you and me, Patel Patriot and Anans, um, you know, Brian Cates, it's important for us to continue our track of speculative commentary, trying to sort of war game out, how is this going to work out? What are they likely going to try to do next? What tactics, what strategies, what people are going to be involved? Because like you said, if we're able to continually make this uh, trajectory where we where we've been, where we're at now, where we think this is going, if we, if we can uh, show a trajectory, number one, we give people hope, which is important. Not false hope, not hopium, but uh, a realistic reason to hope. Because you can you can sort of look at Trump and his uh, his Scavino and a few other people and their messaging. Uh, some of their messaging is clearly giving us reasons to hope that the subliminal messages, not the stuff that's overt. But if you know how to uh, read the tea leaves, read between the lines, get the, the, the unintended, the unspoken inference in what Trump and his people are saying, uh, Eric Trump has been talking a lot about what they're doing and what they're planning. There's reason to, for hope. And like you said, if we can then at the end of this, if we can look back and go, you know what, we had this thing mapped out the entire way. We, you know, we, we missed a few things here and there, but overall, in the grand sweep, we got 90% of the stuff right. And, and it's not about us, you know, beating our chest. I sure. was right. You yeah. see, listen, everybody, I had this the whole time. I had it figured out. Uh, I, I know there are people in our movement. That's what they want to do. They cannot wait sure. to spike the football and say I was right. That's That's not my goal. Uh, my goal is to try to track current events, track the things that are happening, and point out to people who follow me, what what is the likely next step? What what are we likely to see? And, and people talk about moving the goalposts. You know, it's unfortunate that yeah. uh, there are people who will predict dates, predict arrests, predict certain things. They have no information on which they base these predictions. They're just trying to give people false hope. And their predictions don't come true. And those people are moving the goalpost every week. A lot of those people have been exposed as frauds, thankfully. Um, what you and I engage in is speculative commentary, right? We're, we're trying to sort of forecast what we think might happen. Like, I don't have any intelligence insiders in Trump's orbit who are giving me right. you know, information. I've never claimed to have intelligence insiders. I am simply looking at what I see happening in the world looking at the news and current events, taking the dreams that God gives me and try to forecast what I think might be happening in the next month or two. Yeah. A range and, and of that possibilities. Gives, even. What's that? 
a range of possibilities. It doesn't. It's not like I know right. one thing is happening. I can I, see I, this situation I going in multiple directions. I know this is going to yeah. happen. Unfortunately, a couple of our cohorts have said, <laughs> come out and said emphatically, Trump is not going to be arrested or indicted, which I think is a really dangerous thing to say because people don't know the future. Sure. I didn't believe he, it a couple of months ago. I didn't think that there was any way just because I thought the January 6th committee was going to be such a flop. And it was a flop, but it seems like they're going to push forward with it anyway. Right. But they're not going to try to indict him on anything that came out of January 6th. They're, right. they're going on another, a to completely another tack. I just think it's dangerous for people to come out and make those broad statements like Trump is not going to be indicted or arrested. Uh, you know, God shows me the future through dreams. And I always couch that in a, well, you know, maybe like this is what I think. <laughs> I, saying, making those hard and fast statements is really dangerous because you're, if you're wrong, then you have to mea culpa. And you've also sort of misled people. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not a good place to be. Yeah. And that's a tough that's a tough aspect, regardless when you're talking about speculative thinking, because, you know, in the realm of politics and culture and society, speculative thinking is, you know, viewed as conspiracy theorizing when it isn't at all. You know, there are aspects of our society that depend on speculative thinking, like what kind of venture capitalist could ever be successful if that person wasn't trying to understand, you know, the current landscape, understand the trends and understand where these things might be leading. If you don't have an ability to do that, then you're not going to make a very good investor, you know? So that is yeah. a, that is a real world application of exactly yep. the process we're engaging. We're just engaging it in a different, uh, you know, in a different subject matter. Everyone who appears as a guest commentator on a news show they're engaging in speculative thinking. Right. Right. We understand that these people are opinion uh, writers and commentators because they have some expertise, they have some knowledge of the subject matter, and people value their opinions, but it's just opinions. I'm just speculating. I think this is what's going on. I think this is what might happen. Uh, that doesn't mean you're a conspiracy theorist. It just means that you have some subject matter yeah. expertise and people value your opinion. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, all right, man. Let, well, let me get you out of here on that. Um, right. We will definitely continue the conversation. Where's the best place for people to find you? Obviously, prayingmedic.com, but where should they yep. follow you? Yep. Uh, so prayingmedic.com is where I host my articles, podcasts, videos. My books are there, and most of my information is there. Uh, I actually have a lot of Q videos. Uh, my entire library of Q videos are there. There's a tab. If you just hit the Q videos tab, it'll take you to my library of Q videos and you can plow through those if you're interested. Uh, I'm currently podcasting on Podbean. I do have a Rumble channel. <clears throat> I am on True Social. I'm a lot more active now on True Social ever since uh, things started heating up. Yeah. I'm also on Telegram. Those are really the places where I'm hanging out right now. So praying medic everywhere. And by the way, for the people in the audience who have uh, little or no uh, exposure to Q and don't understand it and don't understand why it's a big deal, you might be a little scared of it or whatever. I would really encourage you to check out uh, the praying medic videos on some of this stuff. 
He breaks it down, explains its relevance in the current environment. It's not anything crazy, and it definitely is not going to hurt you. It is just information among other information. You take it in, you think about it, you analyze it, and you do with it what you will. Yep, that's a really good point. I have several videos. One is a recent video called Q for Beginners. I've got another video I did back in 2019 called Q for Newbies. And I have another video I did in 2018 called Q Proofs. Mm-hmm. And it, it like like he said, it's it's nothing spooky. It's nothing scary. It's not weird. It's just, I just read through the Q posts and I connect a few dots and let you make of it whatever you want. Yeah. All right, Dave. Well, it's been great talking to you and it was great to meet you this past weekend. We'll talk Good to soon. meet you in person too, Chris. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. It's, it's a pleasure. I'd love to do it again. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. 
If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!